2: What's up, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural Fightful MMA podcast with yours truly, Showdown Joe. You can catch me online anytime at Showdown Joe. Tonight, I'm joined by a gentleman I've known for a very long time, going all the way back to my Sportsnet days, which, uh, what, is January 9th, 2017, so about more than two years ago since I've been there. So we go back about three or four years, and just so you guys know, before I bring him on here, he's been kind enough to include a ton of rambling tonight because I am sick as a dog. I cannot get rid of this cold here. I came back from Japan, James, from Ryzen. Everything was fine, and I'm sick again. What's going on, man?
3: Nothing. I'm glad to have you here. Happy New Year, like I was saying off the top. And uh, we can't talk about too much how far we've gone back, because then people are going to think we're really old. But I can certainly uh, help you out with the rambling tonight. I can do that for sure. Well, they already know I'm
2: old, so it doesn't make a difference. I'm I'm no longer in my 20s. Uh, We do have some questions here that have come in from fans Uh, That I want to get to a little bit later on. A really good question considering, quote unquote, that we may be old, but there's so much stuff going on in the world of mixed martial arts. Uh, First things first, before we get to anything, how were your holidays? Everything okay? You were on vacation, I understand?
3: Yeah, no, I was. I just got back from Mexico, actually, on a Saturday. Got a nice little end-of-the-year trip there. Uh, holidays were great. Uh, I watched uh, UFC 207 in my hotel room in Mexico on my phone because my internet wasn't working on my laptop. And I was like, first-world problems here, right? But I'm sitting I'm sitting in the hotel room on my phone trying to get shoddy internet. But I did end up getting to watch the card, so I was pretty happy about that. Would have been pretty bummed if I missed out on, you know, Garbrandt winning the title or, like, you know, uh, Amanda Nunes destroying Ronda Rousey. So, um, yeah, it was, it was just a great holiday. Holiday season a lot of relaxation but I'm glad to be back hitting the grind uh, ready here on Monday
2: all right now before we go on so people can get a hold of you you are an MMA journalist for Sportsnet as well as other mm-hmm. outlets uh you're the host of parting shot MMA mm-hmm. you always support the Canucks and the Seahawks so right away we're gonna have a problem obviously I'm a Leafs <laughs> fan uh, yeah. and I'm a Raiders fan so yeah. we got a bit of a problem here sir
3: Yes, absolutely. And I, I will gladly debate that problem. So unlike a lot of people when they pick their hockey teams, they usually go off, you know, like my dad was a fan of this team or whatever, like born and raised in Vancouver, okay? So I got, I got to keep to my roots. Uh, you know, so Canucks have always, you know, as, as miserable as they've been this season, I still have to support, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the green and blue. And then as far as the Seahawks go, same sort of thing. You know, grew up in Vancouver. Uh, the closest team to Vancouver was the Seattle Seahawks. So, I mean, I've watched the Seahawks since, you know, Matt Hasselbeck was quarterback. You go back even further than that um so for me it's always been about the west coast teams and you know i've lived in toronto since 2008 so uh you know i i do you know support the leafs and obviously you know for football wise the bills but uh number one in my heart always canucks seahawks
2: well, everyone knows that I'm a Leafs fan. Not many people know that I'm actually an Oakland Raiders fan, but I'm a, a very closet Oakland Raiders fan. Not because they haven't done very well, minus this year, but they haven't done very well over the past few years. Uh, I was always an Oakland Raiders fan uh, since my teen years, a very, very long time ago. But... When I got into this sport here, uh, and this was back in, so 1993 was the first UFC, and I, got, I really got into it from a, from a broadcasting media perspective. Uh, I'm going to say 1996, 1998, uh, and then slowly but surely, as I got, you know, became a full-time gig for me, especially with sports that way back in 2007, uh, well, it's 10 years, my goodness. Um, whew. Yeah, so that was 10 years ago. That's when basically I stopped. that I shouldn't say stopped watching the NFL, but sort of was like, you know what? I don't have time. This is my full-time gig. I've got to do this. But uh, started paying attention about this year, and, of course, Oakland finally starts doing well. And then, you know, bye-bye QB, bye-bye playoff hopes, bye-bye everything, uh, and it is what it is. But uh, Leafs, I watch the Leafs all the time, so I'm, I'm born, bled, blue, and white. Before we get into some more MMA stuff here, what made you come to Ontario since you're living in Vancouver, which is obviously one of the most beautiful cities in North America? <laughs>
3: Everyone asks me that all the time. Uh, what it was is university. I actually went to, uh, went to Carlton, uh, you know, went out there in Ottawa uh, for, you know, a couple of years and then went to Algonquin. And then I was going to move back home in 2008. And then I ended up getting an internship with the SCORE uh, in Toronto and I've just stayed here ever since I, I just ended up working in the television industry um, so as much as I miss the mountains and everything else uh, if you want to work in television Toronto as you know Joe is the is the best place to be so I've been stuck and now I'm married and you know it's uh, I'm gonna be here for for uh, you know quite some time so I uh, can't, can't complain though man it's you know it's a beautiful city
2: absolutely Toronto is one of the most diverse cities beautiful lots of architecture of course uh you know it's it's not tokyo i just came back from tokyo where no matter what hotel you stay in james you look left right down the street it is all concrete it is all buildings but uh, if you ever get a chance to get out there uh it's fantastic do you have a chance to watch that
3: rise event I did not, unfortunately, but I heard the commentary was amazing, and I also heard that you know there's there's a couple upsets there. You know, King Mo uh, losing to Crow Cop. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Andy Nugent was on that card, who I interviewed before. Uh, she she went off and fought on that, and uh, just to, you know, I love those New Year's Eve cards, Joe. You know, both of us being you know fans for a very long time brings me back to the New Year's Eve shows that you know K1 used to put on. Um, it's it's awesome. Unfortunately, like I said, I couldn't watch it. The best I could do was uh, you know get the um, uh, the UFC fight on my phone, but to get Ryzen, I mean, that was that was nearly impossible. And New Year's Eve's my birthday, so um, it, it was tough to, you know, go to Mexico and try and convince all my friends to sit around and watch Ryzen, especially my wife, so, uh, you know, the struggle is real, as they say.
2: Well, not according to Sean Ross Sapp, the commentary was absolutely horrendous, because as you know, I've got a Canadian accent, and, and people like to rip on Canadians when they try and speak into did, microphones. Did people but- say
3: that, really? Because I honestly, like, I, I know, I guess we do have an accent, but I, to me, it doesn't sound that much different from, like you know, American, but that's just me.
2: Well, no. So obviously when Sean Rossap and I do the, do the podcast, he's always going to throw something at me, but he's, I mean, he's absolutely, he's, he's one of the best guys you'll ever, ever meet. Yeah. Uh, and he's so smart at what he does, but I was, I think he was more or less referring to what happened to me when I did the last rise in event in September where people were wondering who I was. Like even Angela Hill was like, who is this guy? And then she became a huge fan, but there were other people out there. And some of our media peers uh, I won't name any names obviously but uh, they're taking shots like who is this guy talking on this microphone what is he saying like it doesn't make it's a horrible accent I thought to myself well, wait a second I told this to Sean I said yeah. well, you're American okay now if I go on the east coast west coast I, I go What's the difference if you get number 20 and it's a Canadian accent? I I couldn't figure out what it was, but I got way more compliments, James, than I did any insults. None (laughs) of that stuff bothered me, but I, I just found it comical.
3: Well, I don't, I don't get it, to be honest, because I don't really see a huge difference. Now, if you go in the States, like you said, you, know, you go to different areas, people have different accents. But in Canada, it's pretty consistent, unless you go out to the Maritimes. I don't know if you've been out there before. I was in Newfoundland this summer. Uh, that is a totally different language. I will give you that. But as far as what, you know, the, the, the city talk, as we have in Toronto, I don't think there's much of a difference. So I wouldn't worry about it.
2: No, unless you got, unless you talk to Damon Martin, and he'll rip me for saying a boot. Every time you see, he doesn't even say hi, Joe. He's like, "Hey, how's it going?" A boot, a boot, and I'm like, I don't even know that I say that, but anyways, it is what it is. Before we move on to what's happening in the world of mixed martial arts, I do want to get your thoughts overall uh, of 2016 in the world of mixed martial arts from you know UFC, obviously with rising, you know, coming up rising, no pun intended, rising up, Uh, but just in general how the game has changed, and it's going to change a lot in 2017, in my opinion, but 2016 saw many, many, many fighters do what they need to do, many fighters sort of fall off that, obviously with Ronda Rousey, Conor McGregor doing what he's doing, a lot of people were having different votes, different sites were saying, hey, who's your fighter of the year for 2016, and you know, everyone's got varying opinions, and of course, you know, there's always that recency bias, you know, Cody Garbrandt defeating Dominic Cruz, which is absolutely amazing and fantastic, but overall, uh, my pick was actually Conor McGregor, uh, not being because he was only, well, I think it was two and one in 2016. But the yeah. fact that he made history and he won two titles, in essence, he's sorry, he became the first ever two-time division or one-time divisional champion in two divisions. Like that is yeah. absolutely ridiculous. But who's your guy or girl for
3: 2016? Fighter of the year for me was Stepan Miosic. So he didn't get a lot of love this year, but to me, to see the progression of where he got started. I- I mean, we're talking about a guy who a couple years ago got knocked out by Stefan Struve. Didn't seem like there was a big ceiling on him. Doesn't come from a very flashy gym in Cleveland, Ohio at Strong Style. And what does he do? He comes out here, not only wins the title, wins it in Brazil, and then knocks out Alistair over him. That, to me, was very impressive. And a guy who, like I said, it has been one of those years where we've seen a lot of impressive fighters. It's easy to get overshadowed. But to me, is the guy because... I don't know anyone who's going to beat him at this point. He's looked great. Um, You know, we're hoping they they get that rematch with Junior Dos Santos at some point. But Stipe, for me, just what he was able to do, winning the title in enemy territory, getting the finishes he got. I mean, that was impressive. I I can't go against him. But, you know, there's lots of arguments. Garbrandt's another one. Bisping's another one. But uh, for me, it was Stipe just because of the fact that this is a guy that no one thought would be a champion and was a champion.
2: Yeah, Michael Bisping is an interesting scenario because of what he did and how he got that world title and how, you know, that the whole Anderson Silva fight when it happened yeah. and then just how everything went down. But Michael Bisping is something else. But now it's like, okay, Mike, are you going to fight? Like, come on, bro. Yeah. You got to get into that cage. You got to defend that title. That George St. Pierre fight was going to happen at the Air Canada Center. That was no ifs ands or buts i don't know if you caught my interview with george st pierre i did the The gentleman's gentleman's expo yeah yeah he was you know it's what he said on stage was about 95 percent of what he told me backstage and there was a lot more that was said backstage but i mean when i first saw him james i walked over there and we got backstage and everyone's hey blah 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 hey george what's going on i looked at him he took his jacket off and i'm like okay dude you're like you're ripped like what's (laughs) going on here you're not fat he's never fat don't get me wrong but i'm like you're in fighting shape and they pulled me aside and we had the conversation and I said do you want to bring this up he's like I'll bring it up you don't have to ask me anything and I was like whoa okay and he went off and he said you know he went off on the, the whole UFC thing and then the Fighters Association came by shortly thereafter but Michael Bisping he's got to step in the cage
3: I know people are saying about that orbital bone that I think yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think Bisping, uh, th- that's one of those guys that you got it. I mean, there are, I think the only champion that's currently booked right now uh, on the UFC roster is actually Tyron Woodley. They announced it today, he's going to be rematching Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. A little concerning that all the champions right now aren't booked for fights. And Bisping, um, I-, I don't know what he's sort of waiting for. I think the problem, Joe, is that if you look at the top of the middleweight division right now, there's UL Romero, but there aren't any sort of big money fights. I think that's what Bisping, I mean, these champs now, they've seen what Conor McGregor's done. They're looking for these big money fights. And all Romero just is not one of those big money fights. And I think that that's sort of where the hesitation is. If Weidman had beat UL uh, Romero, I think that's the the money fight that he would have wanted. You know, and Weidman defeated Silva and everything else. Luke Rockhold's on the shelf. So there's lots of, I think the issue is that Romero is a clear contender, but at this point there he isn't the guy that's going to sell a ton of tickets. And I think that's why Bisping, you know, injured or not, I think he's sort of looking at that
2: up an exceptional point that that sean ross and i have talked about on numerous occasions on the fightful.com podcast which is now called fightful mma ladies and gentlemen make sure you check out FightfulMMA.com very very soon if you do have any questions make sure you use the hashtag fightful mma uh, james and i will address any questions as well as i've got yeah for him, but obviously Elias believes he's got the best hair at MMA. Sean Pearson, obviously UFC veteran. Uh, he actually lives, James, not sure if you know, he lives about Oh, my God. Two minutes from my house. We both uh, share the same uh, area in Stonville, Ontario. We live north of Toronto now. We no longer live in Toronto, but Sean lives about, uh, I'll say, two, three minutes uh, from my house there. And I've got a surprise guest uh, for you guys, ladies and gentlemen, on Friday. Uh, We're still trying to work the deal out. If we can get him, it's not the biggest name. You may not know who he is. Uh, I will say this, though. He's an author, and he's a guy, when he speaks... Vegas listens and lines move and that's why I want him on my Friday shows Uh, I will share that share that as soon as I get that information Uh, and of course Sean Rossack will be joining me uh, throughout the week and will likely be my co-host whenever there's a UFC uh, pay-per-view or a fight night uh, that we can dissect directly afterwards. Uh, James what you were saying is something very very smooth Uh, and by the way ladies and gentlemen if you want to catch James online it's at lynch on sports l-y-n-c-h on sports make sure you check him out give him some love give him some follow uh and share the wealth share the good news when it comes to james you mentioned money fights and teron woodley was looking for a money fight uh with nick diaz michael bisping looking for money fights with whomever with george st pierre so I 've seen coming for a very long time, and I'm going to say, uh, in and around the end of my sports that tenure, which was late 2014, this was something that was going to happen eventually in mixed martial arts. Do you think the UFC under the new regime right now is going to put an end to this, or are they going to continue to do something like this? Because money fights means more money for the UFC, but it does stagnate divisions.
3: Well, it's tough to say. I think that they look at the dollar and census from this past year and seeing how much money they made with the fact that they were able to put together some of these money fights. And I think that, unfortunately, we will start to see more of these – You know, super fights as opposed to title fights, uh, which is unfortunate because, you know, for a purist like myself, I mean, I do like seeing, uh, you know, the odd like, you know, kind of super fight here and there. But you have titles, you have champions, you have to defend them. You have to have this as a sport where, you know, deserving contenders deserve their next shot. Um, So I do think just with the fact that um, I think the pay-per-view model is dying. I think that what we will see is the UFC try and compensate for that by trying to put on fights like this. So unfortunately, I do see them going in that direction of a super fight just because, um, like I said, the pay-per-view model is something that people, uh, I think in this day and age, does not work anymore. And I think to compensate for that, they will try and make bigger fights because they've seen the numbers. I mean, Joe, you, you you look at the Canadian events when Demetrius Johnson headlined Nothing against Demetrius, one of the most talented fighters out there, but he's just not a pay-per-view seller, and they know they can't get away with having champions of of certain weight classes, headline, pay-per-views. They want name value, and that's sort of what I think they're going to be looking at.
2: Now you talk about the pay-per-view model potentially dying. Is this a situation where you think it'll eventually fade away, it'll stop, or will the UFC finally be making decisions whereas you know what, we're not going to hold pay-per-views all the time. We're not going to stick there because that's that's their bread and butter. That's where they make the yeah. most money, but they're not going to sit there and and do pay-per-views in terms of every month or at least 13 a year Well, they'll be more selective and say you know what maybe we'll do six a year maybe we'll do eight a year whenever conor fights uh, if ronda comes back i know john jones is a needle mover uh, you know if nick diaz comes back or george st pierre uh, those are all needle movers and until they're able to develop these stars uh, you know conor mcgregor obviously is a massive star is their biggest draw right now but you think they'll be shortening those amounts or, or lessening the amounts
3: Uh, do I think they will? Uh, yes, I think they have to, because like I said, you can't be doing the amount of pay-per-views they were doing. Uh, Mike Bonn had a good article out or someone did uh, recently talking about how much it would have cost if you were an MMA fan, how much, how much you would have spent over the year. And it was something like close to a thousand dollars. If You add up all the pay-per-views you would have put together. I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, you know, but I think that, um, what I would prefer, I don't mind a pay-per-view. Do you remember the old days when there was like a good pay-per-view, like once every couple months that is the model they should go with because i think if you ask most fans if you'll put together a quality card over a quantity card i think they'll take the quality card you saw what happened uh you know with ufc 206 i mean that card did you know decent numbers but it was a card that could have been even better if they would have just combined the albany card or or at least taken some of the wealth from 207 and put it on 206 i think you are running into these issues where if they stack a ufc 205 you're going to have weaker cards in between so um i think they will see a decrease but in general i think they should get rid of the pay-per-view model only because Netflix, the, the Netflix model is sort of the future. What's happening with you know subscription, um, you know based uh, things? I know they have Fight Pass, but why not just put all the events on Fight Pass? That way, you get more bang for your buck. I pay a bit more a month to get pay per views on there. I think a lot of people would, and I think that it's better than having to you know find alternative methods or go to a sports bar. Personally,
2: now how much of this though? And I understand exactly what you're saying, and it's it's hard to disagree with your point. But this is something I've spoken about uh, at length. Yeah. The UFC is not just "Quote unquote, the Super Bowl of MMA. They're not just, yeah. you know, from actually, you know, the OHL or CHL or whatever. They've they've got levels within the UFC that, in my opinion, not necessarily waters down the product." But they're not the elite of the elite. There was a time when the UFC back in the day was only the best of the best. If you were the best at what you did, you fought in the UFC. Uh, You take a look at some of these fight cards right now, and I think three of the last four, four of the last five, I think you could name – You know, there were fighters on there that even I was like, oh my God, who – where, what, like I've got to look up this guy or girl and try and find out who they fought and look at their fights, and it's like this—this this is not how the UFC is. This is like the UFC is basically, in my opinion, taking out a—they've taken out a layer of grassroots MMA that should be dedicated to grassroots MMA and take nothing away from, from these, the, the organizations that are feeding the UFC or organizations where the fighters get cut and come down to these organizations, I think there's a level there that there should be something a little bit higher. I think the UFC just simply has too many fighters on their roster, and I understand it's the Fox deal, and they've got to put uh, so many events on, including their pay-per-views, but do you think the UFC simply has too many fighters and they've got to cut out some of that, quote-unquote, fat uh, and just keep the elite of the elite?
3: I think they do. And I think that we're, uh, a lot of people share the same sentiment that you just mentioned there, which is that it doesn't seem like it's that difficult to get in the UFC like it used to be. And that's why you see shows like The Ultimate Fighter fail because the talent level just isn't there. I mean, how many times have we seen an Ultimate Fighter winner get on the show, go to the UFC, and get cut? I mean, that didn't used to happen when they first had the show going on. I think there, there's sort of a correlation there. Now, as far as, uh, you know, what you do as far as, uh, you know, kind of making it a bit, um, you know, more quality, I think we're going to see that. I think we're seeing the UFC starting to cut a lot of guys. We're seen guys, you know, sort of uh, not not compete and and, and look elsewhere as far as, you know, fights and everything else, whether that's the sponsorship deal with Reebok, whether there's, you know, greater horizons elsewhere, um, I think we are going to see a shortage of, um, of, of roster spots on the UFC roster for next year, just with the fact it seems like they want to go more with that quality angle as opposed to, to the quantity. Um, I, I kind of get that sense because it just seems like now they're, they're a little bit easier when it comes to releasing guys than they used to be. Um, and and I, I think that that's sort of something we should keep an eye on in 2017. But to get back to your first point, um, yeah, I think they're with, with the fact that there streaming deals across the the nation now you can watch fights I mean you you go back to the old regional days you'd have to go to the event to watch it now with you know streaming and everything else um, I I think there's lots more options for fighters as far as the regional scene goes and and hopefully that's uh, something that's still viable for a lot of fighters in the come up
2: Absolutely. Now, speaking of 2017, there are going to be some changes to the rules. Unified rules of mixed martial arts. John McCarthy put out a fantastic video explaining everything. Uh, there's going to be some changes now. Obviously, a downed fighter. Uh, and, you know, he, he was speaking not just to to the industry, to the to MMA fans, but more or less to referees. And mm-hmm. judges. And when he's speaking to yeah. the referees, he was talking about a down fighter and how the definition of a down fighter is now changing. Gone is that loophole where if you're caught in a precarious position, you can put your hand on the mat and now yeah. you can't get kneed or stomped or kicked in the face. Guess what? Too late, too bad. It's going to happen now. Uh, agree or disagree with this, uh, this change? Mm-hmm.
3: I I agree with it. I think that um, as the sport grows, I think you have to evolve with how we're sort of viewing the sport. I think this is one of those rules where, again, um, just because a fighter puts their hand down, that shouldn't be a way for them to get out. If they're in a bad position, they should figure out a way to get out of that position instead of putting their hand down. So I'm in favor of it.
2: In terms of uh, fighters extending their hand with their fingers out, that yep. is going to change. Uh, the guys are going to get warned. Girls are going to get warned if they do that. Um, I kind of like that rule, although I do understand why a lot of fighters do that because they do use it for range. They do it yep. for range. So it's, it's it's you know he says you can't put it towards the face or the eyes, but then again you can't put it below the chin because now you expose your chin, and you can't put it high because it, it takes you know it messes up your balance. Um, is this the
3: answer that we were looking for for this type of situation? It's a step in the right direction. Uh, it's not good for you know, John Jones or for Travis Brown or guys like that who've you know, been known to do that in fights uh, before with the poking of the eyes, intentional or non-intentional, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think it is a step in the right direction because eye pokes really are such, uh, still a really bad thing in the sport. It doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, it certainly ruins a fight. And I think it's something, if they can figure out a way to, to eliminate that, I think this is sort of a step in the right direction. It's not the solution, but it is a step in the right direction.
2: Um the way they are going to be judging fights, finally, okay? And yes, before we get to yes. judging fights, um, i surprised, jo- well, John couldn't say it in the video, that I know for a fact, but uh, that 12 to 6 elbow is probably going to be next. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever yes. seen. I don't know if you know the whole story regarding that, but when they created that rule, the day before they were putting together, I don't know if it was the actual first unified rules of MMA or, or when they when they made some change. I'm not sure what date it was, but one of the inspectors or One of, the, uh, one of those karate demonstrations where a guy uh, was sitting there going one two and then wham he breaks like 12 blocks of ice and went to the meeting the next day with the abc and says we are banning these elbows they can crush a skull and people were like are you kidding me don't no 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 and it's a rule that's stuck ever since then so i'm not sure if you knew that story but that is one rule that has
3: to go james I didn't know that story. Thank you for telling that. And uh, I completely agree. This is one of those rules that, again, um, you know, I I don't know why this stuff hasn't been sort of uh, changed earlier. We've been in the sport for a while now. I'm glad they are finally implementing it. But uh, these are just little things that could just make the sport that much better and not have these, you know, kind of uh, these sort of question marks at the end of a fight. If something like that does happen, um, you know, like in that case with the elbows, it's silly. And and I'm glad they're you know going to be fixing that.
2: And I just thought of something. I'm probably going to tell Big John as soon as we are done this. I'm sure John's not watching this right now. He's not being nice to me. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> all they have to do, measure the force. Pick anybody else, the strongest guy at the meeting, and say, here's what I want you to do. Let's measure how much power you could generate from doing this versus how much power you could do, generate doing this, which is legal.
3: Yes. Right? I know. Yeah. And then you yeah, can he, have your answers right there. Yeah. You'd think. It sounds so simple, but – with these commissions, sometimes you never know what's going to happen. So uh, I, I sounds simple to you and me, but hopefully they can, uh, you know, put it in a way that they will understand that.
2: You know what? I'm going to as soon as I've done this podcast, text them, text them. We're, we're changing
3: the sport. We're not just talking about MMA here. We're trying to change things.
2: It's nine thirty uh, Eastern right now, so it's six thirty where John is He's out in California. Maybe I'll just give him a call and uh, bust some chops there. Uh, he likes making fun of me as well, so it'll be fun. Um, the, the way fights are going to be judged now finally uh they're going to be judging they're going to be judging them more correctly they're they're starting to remove a little bit of the subjectivity okay um one of the things i learned a long time ago uh, i'm sure you remember carlos newton carlos Newton's manager uh terry riggs and i were were part of the original group that tried to get amateur mixed martial arts um Mm -hmm. sort of regulated or under or under the um oh my goodness the ministry here at the time of ministry of consumer affairs the time back there's like Oh, my God, late 90s, early 2000s. We tried to get amateur mixed martial arts uh, at least regulated or understood here uh, and allowed in the province of Ontario. Um, And we would sit down and we'd break down everything you could possibly imagine, how we would score it, uh, what the fighters would wear from a a beginner, intermediate to advanced level. And one of the things we talked about when it came to scoring and, and training the judges was understanding that if something is happening, for example, in the striking Okay, guy throws a three-punch combination or throws six jabs or whatever. So the fighters come in, they have an exchange, they separate. one guy throws five or six punches, the numbers mean nothing if the other guy or girl lands a monstrous blow. You won that exchange. And that's how we always thought judging should have taken place. That's what they're doing now. It's no longer quantity. It's going to be about quality. Uh, He continued to refuse to use a few different things. The word damage in the video – and finishing fights. The purpose of mixed martial arts, it's an aggressive sport, James, it's to finish fights. So what are you doing or what is a fighter doing to finish the fight? Now, people could say, oh, he had a triangle choke on, it wasn't on properly. Listen, if you have a triangle choke on and the guy or girl is defending it, you're trying to end the fight. Okay. If the guy's caught in a triangle choke for three to four minutes and he's getting elbows to the head, that's a 10-8 round. Okay. That's yeah. how judge I mean I've got two certificates over there to I guess be your right my left that yeah. showcase that when I took these courses with Big John the referee course and the judging course we went through this specifically and when other people talk about it they don't understand it because they've only watched fights there's specific criteria to be used when you're judging fights. Now there is a scale, James. There's a scale that happens. So, and, and we broke that scale down in terms of what's happening for the majority of the round. Oh, is one guy taking it over? That scale is always in the middle until some guy does something. It's like a video game. Yeah. Something yeah. happens, that meter goes down. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Can that other fighter do enough to bring... His meter back up or whatever so there, there's a sliding scale that we all have to pay attention to finally now they're going to be looking at that what are your thoughts i mean did you see the video what are your thoughts on all that
3: i did, I did see the video and i think that um i, I again I, I like the fact that they're going to include like the ground positions that was something that just wasn't uh, i it, was, it was mainly for striking was what they were judging before which is you know again coming from the boxing model not necessarily a mixed martial arts model um i think that there is a lot of educated people out there. It's just a lot of them aren't, aren't judges, aren't judging the, these fights. A lot of times when you watch a fight and you see people say, I scored it this way, I scored it this way, most of the time the majority of the public has the fight right. If the judges screwed up, it's, it's on the judges. I think there are a lot of capable people of you know determining a 10-8 round or uh, you know a 10-9 round, um, but I think it's a matter of who's being put in these positions. But if the literature is changing where you're literally saying – this will count as damage. This is something that should be, you know, uh, taken into consideration as far as someone finishing a fight. I think that's positive. And I think that, again, will hopefully lead to people having a better understanding of what it is to, to, to be a 10-8 round. I can give you a million 10-8 rounds. Uh, you know, we, we could be here for hours. But uh, to me, if, if a fight is being close to being finished, that to me is a 10-8 round. Um, and, and if a guy, you know, has a lot of damage and things like that, I think those are things to consider as well. But uh, to me, I, a lot of people, when it comes to 10-8s, it's pretty consistent.
2: Now, we're talking about you and I and, and yeah. a lot of other media members out there that understand this sport. A lot of fans are very, very intelligent. Uh, I Throughout my travels, all across North America, now globally, obviously, uh, heading over to Europe and heading over to Japan, um, there's a lot of smart people out there. Uh, the ignorance out there is beginning to sort of dwindle uh, with the masses. But then you have... Uh, and I, I want to be careful how I say this because uh, I know what her intentions were with her, her message, but yeah. Meryl Streep uh, has made headlines in the world of mixed martial arts uh, by, you know, people are saying she took a shot at football and mixed martial arts. Uh, what's your take on this whole situation?
3: I'm not as offended as everyone else. Here's the thing, Joe, and we, we've seen this a million times throughout history, not just with Meryl Streep, but with other people who, who want the sport banned, who call it barbaric, who say it's, you know, this and that. There's going to be people, no matter what, will not like mixed martial arts. That's just the way it is. We have to accept this as a hardcore nation. We live in this bubble sometimes where we want everyone to love the sport and appreciate it the way we do. That's not going to happen. As far as blood being there, even though this is 2016, there's people who still have a problem with that. So I understand that. So if she wants to make an opinion and say that it's not art, I'll leave that to her. I'm not going to go out there and judge the Golden Globes. you know. So it's, it's kind of one of those things. She just made a comment on the sport. I'm not that offended by it. I think that fans shouldn't get offended by it. It's someone who doesn't watch the sport who's making a comment on it. I don't think. I think if anything, it's good that even the sport was brought up. And I'm glad she didn't say train UFC or you know something like that. She actually said mixed martial arts. so I'll give her credit for that. But not as outraged as some people are.
2: Yes. When when I first, you know, when it was first brought to my attention, I kind of watched the video and I listened. I was like, I, I'm not offended. I've been doing this for, you know, a better part of 20 years. <laughs> oh, well, someone else doesn't like the sport. What else is new? Right. But yeah. it takes me to our, to our, one of our fan questions, um, but make sure you guys use hashtag fightful MMA at Tracy Trudeau asked flat out
3: how She's have great. you
2: both evolved your approach slash philosophy to sharing MMA since the start of your journeys? You want to go first? Or you want me to go first?
3: You, you, you can go first. And when she says sharing MMA, I guess we're assuming content or what? what is uh, like, like what she sort of um, or is she talking about explaining the sport?
2: I would say both. Why don't we just say okay. both? Because, I mean, when I first started off at this sport here, I, I, I did go to all the different sports stations in Canada at the time. Uh, I went to Sportsnet, TSN, The Score, um, Global uh cbc i there's there's some that i'm missing but i basically said look this is a sport whether you like it or not it's going to be big it's going to happen uh it's going to grow in popularity it's mixed martial arts and i would go through the explanation and i got chased out of every door Uh, i was told the sport is too barbaric it's not going to happen eventually someone's going to catch on i would say and, and you know my mentality when i was much younger was like look you're either in or you're in the way Someone's going to bite. Someone's going to understand this. Someone is going to see value in this, which is generally money, and money means you're going to get sponsors, and sponsors bring in revenue and ratings and all that jazz there. My mind has changed uh, a lot since then because the Meryl Streep situation is a perfect segue only because – doesn't bother me anymore. Even when I hear it yeah. on our own mainstream stations here, James, it doesn't, yeah. you want to rip apart MMA, go right ahead. It is yeah. what it is. I mean, it's, it's been a mainstream sport in Canada. A lot of our American or international audience don't really know how long it's been on mainstream sports. It uh, started off with Sportsnet back in 2006 or 7, or 7, I believe, in 2009 is when UFC Central went on the air. Uh, so it's been on here for about 10 years. It's just basically now scratching the surface on a lot of different stations uh, globally in various countries. So it's something that you and I have been used to for a very long time. In terms of my approach, I'm the same. If I I've, I've, To this day, I still meet people uh, that are traditional martial artists that think the UFC is either barbaric, it's fixed, it's not real. Uh, it's crazy. They're a bunch of guys stepping up. It's it's the same arguments I've been hearing for years. And I yeah. sit them down, and now I'm much quicker to basically make a determination. Um, I'm not never, but you know me well enough. I'm, I've never been yeah. one to judge. But very quickly, I will understand who I'm speaking to, and I'll know right away to make a determination and say, I'm not gonna get into your head, you're not you' you're just you're you're close minded, you're not listening to what I'm saying. So I'll give my explanation. I'll say why it's a fantastic sport, why it an art, why it's the the, the, the but
0: it's,
3: Uh, My thoughts are basically the same sort of thing. You know, when it comes to the sport, you you kind of have to know who you're talking to. You're not going to convince everyone to like it. And to be honest, Joe, I kind of miss the old days of where MMA was sort of this cool secret that you had among your friends and you got to, you know, uh, find different ways of trying to, you know, stay up late and watch Pride and things like that. I mean, that was really fun. And now you get the casual fans, which are needed. I mean, the sport is better now uh, as far as, you know, some of the, the fighters we're seeing and the evolution of the sport. Um, but you do get these casual fans. I see it all the time. I, I, you know, I do interviews. I get the YouTube comments all the time when it comes to people arguing about, uh, you know, certain points of mixed martial arts. So you're going to get the casual fans in there. I, I, I did this video where I asked a bunch of fighters who they thought was going to win between Amanda Nunes and Rousey. And you should see the back and forth. And a lot of people are ignorant. They don't look at certain factors of the sport, and I think that that's something we have to be used to. There are going to be people who are the casual fans who, unless it's Ronda Rousey, Conor McGregor, uh, people like that, they're not going to care about anything else. They're not going to know anyone else in the UFC. And then there's the people who are hardcores like ourselves, who you know know uh, you know the undercard fighters and, and people who are worth uh, you know investing time in, in watching and everything else. So my approach is sort of as far as it evolving. I think initially I wanted it to be mainstream, but now it's like. I like this group of people that are into it. I don't need approval from Meryl Streep or from anyone else. I remember UFC 174, we were both there in uh, Vancouver. That was uh, Demetrius Johnson and Bagotinov. And there was a journalist uh, from Vancouver, I believe it was for the Vancouver Sun, who said this sport should not be allowed here and everything like that. And I remember at the time when that happened, uh, you know, there was a lot of outrage on social media and people, you know, going after this person on Twitter. And I'm just like, they're just not educated. They have their opinion. It's not going to hold weight. I mean, they're not going to stop banning the MMA in certain places because of one journalist, what they wrote. You just have to let those people be how they are. And as far as, uh, you know, my approach to it, I just, I ignore all that. And, uh, you know, I, I love the sport. I, I promote it. I don't, you're never going to see me, you know, bash things about the sport. I love it. I, I, I admire what the fighters do, and that's why I'm covering it.
2: There are a lot of people that like the sport and that got used to that when they first came into the sport. I would say the vast majority of people that have come into the sport uh, heard the voice of Mike Goldberg calling yeah. uh, an upteen amount of fights, events, um, and all that jazz. Mike Goldberg is no more with the UFC, UFC 207 was his final show. Not much has been really released as to why he was let go. Everyone has their opinions in terms of um, he wasn't good enough anymore. Um, It was robotic. Um, Maybe he decided to leave. I don't think that was the case. I think they just, the the new ownership said, okay, we're we're moving on. I think we're going to bump up John Attic. Um, What's your take on the situation? Um, Yeah, yeah. Regarding UFC?
3: Yeah, yeah. my sort of take on the whole thing is just that uh, I I don't see it as as a big of a deal. I wish the UFC would have given him a proper send-off, though. I mean, you put that much time into a company like that, it would have been nice to see sort of a video tribute or something along those lines to sort of commemorate the work that Goldberg had done because he's been there for so long. Uh, He deserved it. So that's sort of my first point. Second point, as far as him being replaced, I I think as the sport grows, as the sport, you know, the fighters and and everything else grow, um, you know, with the new ownership, I don't think change is necessarily a bad thing. I'd be curious to see uh, what a different voice would be like in the booth uh, you know if Anna gets promoted they bring someone else in um i don't mind that I, i'm open to change at this point i have no doubt goldberg's going to land on his feet uh you know with another organization because he is extremely talented uh fans were getting tired but i think fans will miss goldberg i i you know the people now it's so quick to say oh he, this guy sucks because again a fickle bunch in the mma community everyone thinks they can do a better job than the people uh you know they're actually covering it so that's something i've come to learn but you got to just sort of accept that uh but but as far as goldberg goes um, you know, I, I think he'll be fine as far as uh, what's next for him. Uh, but he did a great job. I think that the chemistry between him, between him and Rogan will be tough to replicate uh, no matter who comes into place. So um, I'm curious to see uh, what's going to happen as far as the replacement goes.
2: And before the uh, all my Twitter followers start hammering me again uh no the ufc has not called me no i'm not on their (laughs) radar and remember i'm i might be doing stuff with titan fc on ufc fight pass which kind of gets people thinking hey you know what you should move up and do the ufc i'm also doing things for Ryzen.
3: yeah 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 it's tough doing the math
2: start doing the math and uh, it'll be a bit of a challenge uh, to have someone that uh you know to be doing ryzen events and ufc events that would be a bit of a challenge so um yeah i'm not on the radar don't think i'm gonna be going to the ufc ladies and gentlemen uh i'm more than happy here uh, at fightful mma um the last belt that mike goldberg called was ronda rousey mm-hmm. Rousey will see a man newness um rousey posted on instagram today uh basically saying you know what from rock bottom is where her foundation is now going to be built that was a great quote uh and then cyborg people think it's cyborg it's not cyborg but her people no, went true. on there yeah. uh and posted you know something relatively nice on there what do you make of this situation
3: uh well i hope rousey comes back because i certainly don't want her career to end like that no rousey's uh, career is not fabricated like some people are suggesting she really did get all those wins she really was that talented Um, I I think for her, she's in kind of a tough spot because you can tell she's a very loyal person uh, as far as the the people that surround her. And I think the the thing that was very evident in that fight with Amanda Nunes is she needs a coaching change. There's nothing wrong with that. There's been plenty of fighters who have moved on to other camps. And I think that in in other fighters' cases, being too loyal can sometimes kill your career. I think in Rousey's case, if she can get with a different camp, we can't see the comeback here because let's be honest here, she's lost to two of the best fighters in that division in Holly Holm and to Amanda Nunes. I mean, Amanda Nunes is scary now. I I don't know who's going to be her at this point Uh, so no shame in losing to her even the way she did Uh, you're not going to outstrike Amanda Nunes it's just not going to happen I yeah to me what it said was you know, she's maybe being. Hopefully, she's kind of turned a new leaf and maybe start to you know do more of these interviews, be more personable. Because I think that was part of it too. There was so much pressure on her heading into this fight. She ignored all the media. She did all this other stuff. It looked to me like she wasn't stable going into this fight. i Just as far as you know, not not accepting the loss, like like I say, a Conor McGregor did when he lost to Nate Diaz. You know, McGregor, you know, acknowledged the loss. He says he's going to get better. He's going to get right back in there and come back with Rousey. It didn't sort of go that way. And I think a lot of people would have wanted her to have this great comeback story. And it hasn't happened yet so the fact that she's on there posting and saying you know she's at rock bottom hopefully usually when you're at rock bottom you make some changes I hope that will happen with Rousey I think if she stays with Edmund Tarvinian it's not going to end well I just I don't see it uh you know her getting any better um unless she's facing someone that just does not have great striking I think if she can get most women on in that division on the ground it's game over Uh, but if you're facing someone with good striking uh you're out of luck so that's my thoughts on Rousey
2: now her her options aren't exactly limited, but she's got to be careful where she goes. She can't go to American Top Team. Uh, she no. can't go to Jackson Winkle, John because Holly Holm is there. Um, a good point. Team Alpha Male. I know she's got really good friendship with Uriah Faber and the team over there. You think that's an option for, or perhaps Dwayne Bang Ludwig's camp?
3: Uh, well, isn't she, uh, I'm not trying to start like a gossip thing here, but isn't her and Paige Van Zandt, aren't they like not getting along or something? There was that whole story. So I don't know if that would play a f- factor on that her going to alpha male. Um, if she's listen. If, if, what happened to Rocky when he lost, you know, he went in the cold and, you know, made his big comeback. Uh, you mentioned Dwayne Ludwig. Colorado would be a good spot there for her to go and train with Dwayne, come up to Montreal and Canada, train with Farras. I mean, she just needs a cerebral coach, someone who will utilize her talents. I mean, the, the, the Ronda Rousey that's fallen in love with her boxing uh, has been the, the worst thing for Ronda Rousey. I mean, her knocking out Bech Cahaya was probably one of the worst things that happened to her because she got away from what she was good at. Um, you know, I, I think if she, if she goes back to her judo, goes back to her ground game, I think she can find success. And I think a good coach will do that. So I think there are some options. Um, like I said, I think tristar, Um, You could go, uh, you know, Colorado with Dwayne Ludwig, even someone like Matt Hume, uh, who trains Demetrius Johnson in Seattle. uh, He's uh, kind of been an underrated coach. And I think what he's been able to do with Demetrius Johnson could pay dividends for someone like Ronda Rousey. The question is, is she going to break that loyalty thing? I think she's got to she's got to get rid of the people around her. And and that includes all these. Yes, people who think that Tarvinian, Edwin Tarvinian is this great coach because he's not. I mean, the stats, they speak for themselves. The fighters who have trained with him just have not panned out well. So that's all I got to say.
2: Well, I'll give you problem number one and solution number two. Problem number one is um I don't think Rhonda's gonna be leaving California anytime soon, so she's gotta look at somewhere there. And that's why the teen alpha male thing came up. The Paige Van Zandt situation, um, I'm sure that that could be rectified. If if the rumors sure. are true that there is, you know, quote unquote an eagle play, they yeah. could they could work that out. If they can't work it out, there are times when, you know, You stay on that side of the room. You stay on that side of the room. You're never going to spar. You're never going to, you know, people will sit there and they'll make sure that they don't interact. I've been in gyms all across this country, all across North America, where I know guys do not like each other. Girls don't like each other. But they go in there, they do their job, and as long as they're focused, they can give a rat's ass about whoever they don't like on the other side of the room. So I know, in my opinion, those Eagles – it could be it could be dealt with and, and for the sake of ronda Rousey, and i wrote an article specifically saying look more than she needs us okay yeah, she no, is true. a draw she brings so much to the table james whenever she yeah. competes uh, i mean and and the, and the story that i told people is i was in japan uh, in my hotel room after the rise of yeah it was after the rise of event and you know just scrolling through the channels and i'm thinking you know what's on I did japanese tv cnn so i was watching cnn well, guess what? The number one update in in the CNN
3: Sports was I talking saw that. about
2: Ronda Rousey yeah. losing.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a huge deal. And uh, even when I was in Mexico, even on Spanish television, that was also the number one uh, story there as well. So she does sort of transcend the sport. Uh, you did mention California. There are two other options I didn't even think of that sort of just popped in my head. American Kickboxing Academy. I know there's a lot of talk about them, you know, uh, having their fighters get injured before fights. But Javier Mendez, a great coach. Uh, look at what he's done with Cormier and Cain and Velasquez. That could be an option. Not not any female fighters there, but, you know, she could train with a lot of really good male fighters. And the other option, Alliance MMA. Eric Del Fiero uh the work he's done with Dominic Cruz and there's also some female fighters there as well training there Jessica Pene. um you know there there is some uh some options there as far as uh, California goes those are two other camps where they do have two good coaches that I think could do wonders compared to Edmund Tarvinian. and I hate to pile on the guy but I just I I see it, it, her loyalty could really kill her career I think this is now's the time you had two shots at this didn't work time to move on
2: all right. Before we wrap up the show, I got three quick things I want to get at you real quick. Now, sure. in October, Fightful.com uh, reported that Julia Budd would eventually be fighting for a Bellator title at 145 pounds. Obviously, Marlos Kunin is there. Uh, this fight is now taking place. It's going. It's booked. Um, do you like this idea that Bellator has a 145-pound champion? Are they jumping ahead of the UFC, or or not? They're not really because of the Holly Holm fight. Um, but do you like this idea, or is it one of those things where it's like, nah, there's just not enough depth in this division?
3: I don't think there's a lot of depth, but I do like this idea because I don't know what's happening with the featherweight division with the UFC because of this whole cyborg thing, which don't want to get off on a rant there. If she's out, that sort of takes away a lot of the luster of that division for the UFC. So even if they do have the title fight, I mean, there's no guarantees how often they're going to have fights in that division, so I worry a bit about that. But as far as Bellator, um, that was sort of unique to them. I think there are a lot of, uh, you know, 145 fighters outside the UFC that could maybe uh, jump ship and go to Bellator, and, you know, there's might be more financial options there for female fighters. I mean, who, who knows what these fighters are getting paid in the UFC? I mean, if you go over to Bellator, you might get paid a little bit better. Um, I, I, I do like the direction here, and, you know, I, I always like supporting the Canadian fighters. Glad to see Julia Bud Getting the, the treatment, too, because if you remember, this fight was initially supposed to to take place at i believe it was bellator uh, i'm gonna get the numbers mixed up it was supposed to take place at a bellator card bud got injured uh, alexa alexa dunfrey fought kunin instead and beat her it wasn't for a title she came in four pounds overweight almost five pounds overweight um but that fight was going to be on like an undercard at least this they're making this the main event they're actually featuring it first a uh, female fight to headline a bellator card ever so i think it's a, a step in the right direction uh for women's mixed martial arts and i think it's i think it's good it, it makes bellator different Well,
2: speaking of making weight, Julia Budd owes me fish tacos. She promised me she'd make me fish tacos, and I know Lance Gibson uh, was there uh, to verify it. So, Julia, if you're watching this, I still want my fish tacos because I heard they're delicious. Lance told me they're fantastic. So my weight's good. I'm lower than what I was when I last saw them, but I want my fish tacos. Um, Habib Nurmagomedov,
3: Tony Ferguson. Is this fight going to take place or what? Sounds like it is, uh, but I, you know, again, until they actually step in the cage, until you know they ring the bell and Bruce Buffer does the announcement, I'll actually believe it when I see it, but man, I hope this fight happens. Look, I, I talked about it off the top there. No champions booked right now. There's aren't, there aren't a lot of intriguing matchups if you're looking at the 2017 calendar. If this fight happens right now on paper, probably the best fight you've got right now because you, you really don't know what's going to happen. Tony Ferguson has looked unbelievable. He has had a very unorthodox style that a lot of people have had trouble with, and Khabib not only came back and, and fought, you know, uh, we had Daryl Horcher, but forget about that fight. He fought, not only to come back on the biggest card this year, 205, and, and, you know, fight Michael Johnson. He destroyed him. He destroyed Michael Johnson. That was a statement fight. And, you know, with Conor out, this is the best fight you can make in the lightweight division. I can't wait to see this fight. And I have no idea what's going to happen.
2: Ball at you right now. You ready? Okay. Yeah, let's hear it. To your left, in the room to your left. Yeah. You got Ferguson. Yeah. At the exact same time in the room to your right.
3: Yeah.
2: This is uh, TJ Dillashaw. Where are you going?
3: Well, do you give Dillashaw the title shot? Uh, You know, right away after that win over uh, Lineker, it was a very impressive win. I think the thing with Garbrandt is I wonder if you save him and Stipe for a Cleveland card because they're both from Ohio. I wonder if they sort of look at that strategy because I believe the Nurmagomedov Ferguson fight would be in Vegas. I think was it was a two hundred nine. Was that card? I was. It's tough. To, I got to look at the calendar there. But uh, but no. If, if I'm if I'm the UFC, I think Dillashaw is is the next rightful person as opposed to a cruise rematch. Um, just because. I mean, Cody won decisively, whereas Dillashaw, I mean, he, he destroyed a Sun Tau and he destroyed Lineker. I think he's the next guy in line for a title shot.
2: My answer would have been to break down the walls. Um, <laughs> all right, before I let you go, uh, there's a card on Sunday. UFC yeah. Fight Night 103, Yara Rodriguez taking on BJ Penn. Obviously, uh, I've been a proponent of someone that does not want to see BJ Penn come back. Me too. T- Uh,
3: I don't think it's going to end well for BJ Penn in this fight. And the other thing is, Joe, have we heard anything about him actually training at Jackson's post uh, Christmas? I haven't heard anything. I don't even know if he's there at this point. I know uh, Rodriguez, I believe was training with someone else as well, because of course there's that conflict at Jackson's. Um, I just don't see it ending well. The first off, I mean, we know that fighters that cut weight later in their career go down to weight class. Uh, it never ends well. And BJ's getting up there. He hasn't fought in forever. Uh, first off, is he going to make 45? Second off, um, you know, how is he going to look against a guy in Rodriguez who just seems to be getting better and better every fight? I just don't see it ending well for him. I think Rodriguez wins this one. Uh, it's tough to, to pick the, the, the prodigy in this one.
2: Yeah, Speed's the first thing to go in fighters, and BJ Speed left a long time ago, and Rodriguez is one very fast cat. James, I want to thank you very much for joining me today. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen. You can get James Lynch online, at Lynch on Sports, uh, MMA journalist for Sportsnet, as well as other outlets. Uh, He is the host of Parting Shot MMA, and of course, a Canucks and Seahawks fan. James, one last thing before we let you go. Anything you want to say to the fans before you say goodbye?
3: First off, thank you so much for having me on here. It's an honor to be on the first official Fightful MMA podcast, so I appreciate that. Uh, Lynch on Sports, you can follow me on Twitter. We can talk about uh, MMA. We can talk about hockey. We can talk about whatever. I'm always down for uh, chatting. You can find my work, sportsnet.ca, oddsbreaker.com. You can find all my interviews there, uh, video interviews. Um, also, flowcombat.com. Check out my stuff. I'll be having some Bellator interviews coming out this week. And youtube.com slash lynchonsports. You can find all my interviews on there in one nice little fancy package. Joe, can't thank you enough. This was a blast, wasn't it?
2: Oh, pleasure was all my man. Thank you very much for making the time. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap for the inaugural Fightful MMA podcast. Thank you very much. Don't forget everything will be online on YouTube, iTunes, and a lot of changes, a lot of changes come to the site. Thank you very much for tuning in.